episode 8 of the Combined Impact Podcast. My name is Shadi and I am joined by Ila. And today we will have a conversation on colorism. But before we get into that, we did want to come back on our last episode, which was Misconceptions of Love. And uh, I guess correct uh, something yes. that needs to be corrected. And here, I first want to start by thanking my friend for actually pointing this out to me. And that's why, guys, you have to have friends who call you out when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not afraid to call you out. Like, yeah, exactly. And we expect each other to call each other out. Yeah. So thanks for that. Huge shout out to you. You know who you are. Yeah. Um, oh, they basically pointed out uh, at the part that I was talking about, asexual and demisexual and demiromantic, that type of stuff, that... My literal words were, it's not a spectrum. And the fact is, it is a spectrum. Um, What I meant to say, or what I incorrectly said, was um, that it's supposed to, if you take all of those different aspects by themselves, so asexuality is, of course, a spectrum. You could be very sexually attracted to people, or you could be asexual. Mm -hmm. But if you combine the sexual attraction, sexual orientation, um, the uh, romance, I guess, romantic attraction, all of that stuff, you end up in a point in a 3D matrix. So that's what I meant with the field. So you end up in a field of you um, in your totality. So I was incorrect. It is a spectrum. um, And everything combined ends up not being a spectrum. It ends up being something really cool yeah i mean it's really yeah like you said it's important to always be clear about these things because um we're all learning especially when it comes to gender politics and sexuality politics these type of things there's so much to learn Mm -hmm. um so it's very important to yeah to call ourselves out on that (laughs) yeah i guess in conversations with friends uh who also understand what it means it's easy to just say something quickly and they already know what you mean but if it's something that's going to live on the internet forever then try to get it right (laughs) so yeah uh, i think that's one that's well not the problem but me and you do have a very specific language when we talk to each other yeah and we do often forget we are also recording and putting it out on a podcast so yeah bear with us guys (laughs) (laughs) we'll do better (laughs) we always do strive to be better and uh yeah so thanks for that um almost mentioned her but yeah so that was um our previous episode today like i mentioned we are going to be talking about a very complex topic which is colorism Mm -hmm. It's worth mentioning that in this conversation, it ended up being just the tip of the iceberg because it was the first time that uh, the four of us had this conversation and there's just so, so, so much more to be discussed. So you can definitely expect us to do another episode on this. Yeah, because we do elaborate a little bit on desirability politics when it comes to colorism in this episode. And it's worth noting that when we talk about colorism, it is way more than just that aspect. It's the attraction. It's uh, so many so other social aspects that play a role into that. And we do want to be talking more about this in the future as well on mm-hmm. future episodes. And another thing worth mentioning is, as this is a pretty sensitive uh, topic, or could be a pretty sensitive topic, we do end up talking about some things that might be triggering to some people so this is an official trigger warning yeah we do end up talking about um colonialism and slavery uh, aspect of how it came to be with colorism and of course part of that is also you know the r word non-consensual procreation so if that's something that is triggering to you then when we start talking about the history of it maybe skip ahead a little mm-hmm. bit um or just be prepared for it mm-hmm. we don't linger on it too much but we do mention it yes um but yeah hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed recording it and yeah let's get into it So at the start of this uh, episode, we wanted to firstly, of course, give a definition of what we understand to be colorism and 
Futurism. Um, and the definition of colorism is, in short, uh, colorism is the process of discrimination that privileges light-skinned people of color over their dark-skinned counterparts. Colorism is concerned with actual skin tone as opposed to racial or ethnic identity. This is an important distinction because race is a social concept, not significantly tied to biology. Colorism is a problem that does not only affect the African-American community, but it affects individuals of different complexions around the world. Colorism is predominantly present in countries around the world like Latin and South America, Asia, India, and Africa. And of course, we know as well, you know, especially in where we come from, which yeah. is the Caribbean, it is definitely a thing, <laughs> an issue. Yeah, the definition of futurism is also a prejudice towards individuals with certain features and a preference towards those with features that correlate with a set a beauty standard. This is a variance, it's what features are praised in different places around the world. And as we know, we do have a very much uh, leniency towards European. Yeah, the white European. So anything that is most similar to the white European is considered good or better. Yes. So, of course, it ties into colorism, of course, too, but it's a... Uh, it's not the same, but also the same, if that makes sense. Yeah, you could make the distinction if you wanted to, but a lot of the times it does go hand in hand. But now that we do have the definitions out of the way, we can go ahead and introduce our guests. Um, I'll start on my right. Hey! <laughs> so I'm this Nash. is hey. <laughs> Hi, I'm Virgo. I'm Virgo. No, I'm Nash. And yeah, they invite me to this podcast. I'm, I'm actually pretty... Excited though. Nice. Doesn't sound like it, but <laughs> but I'm a visual and performance artist, and yeah, I work with the themes actually, colonialism, and I use a lot of religion type things in my work also. But that's not important for now. But <laughs> nice to meet you. And then we have oh hi, <laughs> um, I'm Melody Abreu, also known as Melolelo. And I'm a graphic artist um, from Aruba, who's been living for the past 10 years here in the Netherlands. And in most of my recent work, um, specify or try to um, show more diversity in the kind of work that I do. Representing the black culture a little bit more than what I used to. All right. Thank you all for being on this episode with us. Yeah. And we'll get right into it with uh, our questions. And the first question is, when was the first time you heard about colorism? Mm. The first time, I think it was here in the Netherlands. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I've never heard of it. Yeah, so it was after I was, yeah, it was around maybe the second year that I was here, maybe. Oh. And how did you hear about it? Or who told it you was, about it? I don't remember who. But it was something at no, it wasn't even the second year it was here. I'm lying. It was when I, yeah, when I came to Rotterdam and we had a few classes. I don't even remember about what. And then they start talking about colorism. But the 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 word click immediately. Like mm -hmm. I yeah. didn't need a definition mm -hmm. because we were talking about um, racism and then colorism came in and then I was like, oh. Okay. That's how you call that, actually. Okay, wow. How about you? Yeah, I, like, I must say that I, um, the term, the word colorism, I just got familiar with it, like, this year. Mm. But the whole context of it, I already knew because, I mean, I've experienced it through my whole life. Mm -hmm. So when I found out the term, okay, this is colorism, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what I call that. But yeah, now actually very recently that I got like familiar with the word. Yeah. So it's, so it's more that you experienced it before yes. you actually yeah. knew the definition. And I sort of knew that it wasn't I mean that it wasn't racism racism, but mm -hmm. I didn't know what to name it. To I name knew it. it was something. Yeah. And um but I didn't know what to name it. Diet racism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the but, cousin of racism. Yeah, skin yeah. tone racism. Yeah, basically. But for me, it's also the same in that I experienced it before I learned the word itself, and I also learned the term colorism itself pretty recently too. And um, 
I noticed it even more when I moved to the Rod to Rotterdam as well to the Rotterdam. Um, I noticed it when I moved to Rotterdam as well because when we're on Aruba, there are so many different shades of people that I blend in, and um, when you're in Maastricht, there's only the white shade of people, and I stand out. And in Rotterdam, I also blend in a lot, but when I take pictures with um, mostly people from the islands, I'm like, oh, snap, I guess I am pretty light-skinned. I always thought I was kind of light-skinned, but mm. on Aruba, I'm kind of light-skinned. And here, I'm way more light-skinned than I thought I was. Was it an aha moment, or did you sit on it first and try to figure out what it looks like in your life? For me, it was immediately an aha moment. Like I said, I wasn't already familiar with the whole um, feeling. And I guess growing up in on an island where it's so many different skin, uh, like shades of skin color, um, you're pretty much faced with it the day you were born. Uh, it's you know, and it's shoved down your throat like in the telenovelas, in the video clips. So I I already like you know I already knew what it was and. Even in the family, you know how lighter skin are like often phrased. Oh, your your skin is so beautiful and everything. So, so when I finally knew what to call them, like ah, oh, okay, so that's a new term, a <laughs> new <laughs> word. Yeah, that's what it is. So, um, and I think that knowing um what to call it has also opened like many, many doors of like oh my god, like it's easier now to understand what uh, what is happening and. Yeah. So I guess then it's it's I guess it's easier to identify when you have the term and you understand what it all that yes. comes with that. Yes. Yeah. For me, it was more like I've I've heard people experience it, but for me, it wasn't clear. Like for example, in the family situation, because actually I'm the I was I was the darkest, yeah, female cousin. Okay. Mm-hmm. In all my cousins, because they're all mixed. And I'm the only one that's darker. But at the same time, my dad is darker than my mom also. And people always... I never considered myself light-skinned for some reason. Okay. Uh, Do you consider yourself light-skinned now? Yeah, but that was because, for example, friends keep on telling you, yeah, you look white. Like, with uh, like, okay. a blanco, with a blake. And I'm like, what? Uh, Me? Where? I feel, <laughs> yeah, where? My nails? <laughs> That's it, exactly. But I've never, I never felt it, like, also in the family. Okay. The only thing that I've noticed between me and my cousins, for example, is that they had, like, how do you call that? Straight I had hair. kinky hair. Yeah, they had straight hair. Okay. And pretty much, like, a dark blonde mm-hmm. kind oh, wow. of color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they So the colorism also. even goes to their hair. Yeah, kind of. Awesome. But that's the only thing I noticed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, it wasn't like we weren't treated differently or anything like that. All right. Yeah, I, that's definitely a part of it. It's, I think if you've been at the receiving end of being treated differently, then you realize it a lot sooner than if you just happen to come across the definition at some later point and have to figure it out for yourself. Because that is how... It was, as I said before, that I kind of figured it out later. Like, oh, okay, so this is what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me, I find it though a bit hard uh, to realize, and I'm going back to where we come from, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where, you know, it, it's so obvious, uh, certain, the way you should look, and it's so highly advertised. Um, and I grew up in such an environment. Um, I mean, my mom... I don't want to bring her to trouble. She does uh, sell um, um, bleaching creams. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But I grew up in an environment where this was normal, but how my mom sells it is a completely other, different way. When women come to her, like, I want to bleach my skin because I'm not happy about my skin color, mm-hmm. she would give them a pep talk about why their skin color is beautiful. So she would only sell you the cre- the creams if you actually had like an, a sun uh, issue that mm. many women have. Mm. Um, and I remember from working at the beaches, it's something that's normal. So she would like sell you the creams as like a sort of treatment for that okay. specific area where you had complaints. Okay. 
Okay. So that's sort. I grew up in that environment, always loving my skin, no matter how dark or light it was. Um, but I'm familiar with the the whole thing. Now that you're saying that, it also yeah reminds me of like for example when you go to the beach and mm-hmm. then you get a tan. Well, I become pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mom is always like, "Eh, eh preto," but I always <laughs> like that comment. You know, mm-hmm. I always enjoy it. I prefer to be dark. Like I would like, I would mm-hmm. love to be like my dad. Like, my dad has the darkest skin. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I actually wanted that color, not the one that I have. Yeah, yeah the like, one that we end up with here. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. But another thing that I notice also, for example, with the hair again, mm-hmm. is that people with indeed curlier hair, my hair is not curly. I have pretty, pretty... Mm-hmm. Let's put it like that. I don't like the word kinky, so that's why I'm not going to use mm-hmm. that one. Textured? Text, yeah, text, yeah, texture feeder, but yeah. But I do love my hair, but before that, I also chemically treated my hair. Like, I straightened mm-hmm. my hair. Mm-hmm. Like, it was around, mm-hmm. s- I was six or seven. Whoa. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I asked my mom to do it for me because I was at school in school, and I had just, like, nice long hair. But I was like, yeah, I really wanted to do that just because I see other girls at school also have yeah. hair. That's definitely um, the age. Yeah. And I, it's easier to manage for yourself, but it wasn't the best thing to do. And then no. I was around, I don't remember how old I was, then I decided to do the big chop. When I was 16, around that age, I did a big, big chop. And I really enjoyed that, but it was because I wanted locks. That's why I decided to do a big <laughs> chop, so I can yeah. start growing my own hair back, or not my own hair, but just my natural hair back and my dad didn't want me to have locks but my mom was like yeah did he give a reason why yeah he was he said just because it's it will still people will stereotype you like Uh people with locks it's difficult for them to get a job etc etc but i understand that all of that and yeah people will put you in a box yeah i think it's definitely um that is also part of it is the darker your complexion the harder it is to manage um, like your hair or blah 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 and these are constantly the things you hear right growing mm-hmm. up and especially i remember my um dark-skinned uh, friends back then too like you said around, especially around high school age they're like they're kind of like pressured to have their hair straight or to relax it or to because that's it looks better right yeah. it, 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 it's again it leans more into the european beauty standards that are shoved down our throats constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I only um, relaxed my hair once and mm-hmm. it was out of, um, well, not desperation, but it was my mom needing some help in the maintaining of our hair because my sister and I, we all have a lot of hair. But I, my mom did that once with my hair and she regretted it forever mm-hmm. because I almost went bald. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I grew up in a very love yourself and own your the the person who you are like own that. So I never felt pressure to um to relax my hair, but I do uh, like I often got the comment "mara boca bay." Yeah. Um, and that was a thing like at school I always walked around with a ponytail like even still now if you want to get certain jobs in Aruba you cannot wear your hair like I yeah. wear it so that was pretty much in back in the days yeah it's still. a whole thing because uh, there's still- the like google unprofessional hairstyles and you'll only get black women mm-hmm. and then if you google professional hairstyles you only get white women mm-hmm but you mean with curly hair, you couldn't, you cannot get any. No, I mean my, a lot of jobs. Like now, I have my my hair is so long that it it busha uh, mm-hmm. disappear a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, when it was shorter, I had a bit more volume, and it was okay. But still, some people would tell me, "Mara boca bay, oh my god, kipa home." You know, that those yeah. things referring to my hair being messy and not actually being glorious like a crown that it actually was. Yeah. So at times it really frustrated me. Sometimes it did listen and sometimes it was F you. It's my hair and you uh-huh. deal with it. Yeah, actually now that you say that, I, I didn't ever... Well, of course I did have people tell me to brush my hair, but that's because I didn't brush my hair. But... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> on days that I would have it just down, then I would think that it's too bushy or people would make a remark about it. They wouldn't necessarily say anything that's positive or mm-hmm. negative about it, just an observation like, wow, your hair is wild today. And to me, as a kid, it felt like something that's not okay. So I always had my hair tied. Mm-hmm. I always had it in a, um, sometimes not even a ponytail. Sometimes it will be in a bun because I would consider the ponytail to be too, um, too wild or too bushy. And in the Netherlands is when I started um, maybe experimenting a little bit with mm-hmm. my hair, not wearing it up all the time. And now I love my hair so much. And especially in Rotterdam that people just do what they do because they feel like doing it they really inspired me as well and i wish i had more people like you around me as a kid that i wouldn't be thinking like oh no i can't do certain things with my hair because people would consider it too wild or bushy actually when i was a kid i didn't even care that much about my hair i don't like to comb my hair i still don't like that's why i put locks (laughs) but here actually there is still a difference right now with my hair because i don't like twisting my locks either i like like a throw underneath my lock like right now they're twisted or i interlock them but i like like a tiny bit of fruit and then you will see the locks i don't like people to see my scalp i don't like that i hate it but i can easily walk around like four months with a huge growth new growth Mm. here without people make any comment or even people tell me that my hair looks nice but if immediately when i go to curacao with my hair like this My mom or my dad, when are you going to twist your hair? Mm. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not only them. Like, my grandma also, when are you going to do your hair? But they and don't I'm accept like, your locks. They just want you to take care yeah. of them in a specific way. Yeah, they, wanted to take care, they want me to take care of them and just have them always, like, super neat. But it's also not good for the locks. Mm. Okay. Like, if you keep on retwisting them every two weeks, it's too much. Like, you can break them down. So, But people, people don't know that. Yeah, uh-huh. but what is it about home too that are, they're so obsessed with the neatness and the yeah. looking a specific way? What is it about that that we have back home? Because I, it's such a thing. Yeah, you need I, to look nice. You look representable. I think, I, yes, I think that it comes because of the struggle. It's a black mm-hmm. island at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's often perceived in a very negative way if mm-hmm. you see it. Like, let's take it back, but maybe this is not relevant right now but back in the days to Jonathan van der Sloot and Natalie Holloway when they made the documentary of the people in Aruba how we were portrayed there so I think that with years of many of those misconceptions of Mm -hmm. how our culture is I think that with that and that trauma that people like you need to look extra nice to show them that we are polished and I think that like deep down that's like a reason yeah, I but think... it's just then to prove to somebody, mm-hmm. to prove somebody else wrong mm-hmm. when they already are wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's come from, all the way from colonialism, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Okay. Also, because yeah, during that period, people did not have, especially people of color, mm-hmm. they didn't have anything. So you always look. So you didn't have stuff and then after a while to look put together like you needed to buy everything and have everything for you to look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even your house. Even your house clothes, to look good. You need to look good all the time. Yeah. Put together, but that's also something that I noticed when I came here. Like for example, when you go out in Curacao, you always look really nice, put together. You oh have different <laughs> outfit for when you're going out. Yeah, than people home already saw or, me wear this. <laughs> or a house party or whatever you do. Like you have different or when you go into school. But here people dress like they're going to a party while going to school. And I'm like, mm. why are you wearing high heels? Why are you wearing a whole Fuck, like makeup, makeup, also. like what the fuck? That's how I go to parties in Curacao, yeah. not work or school. Like school is just uniform, like a jeans, a t-shirt, or a polo shirt, or whatever. Yeah, but likewise, when you go out, when you go clubbing, then you will see some people who are sneakers. Yeah, sneakers <laughs> or just, just whatever. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand. So, are you trying to impress people at school, and then when you go out, you're just just raggedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't make sense. But no, but I, 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 I think that a part of that, I, I mean, 
in Aruba and Curaçao, you had at school, you have school uniforms. Yeah. You yes. don't have that here. So I think that uh, a lot of the reason is the social pressure at school. So they try extra hard to look really cool at school mm. here. Like sometimes you see some girls like, girl, I don't even look like that on a yeah. Saturday night. <laughs> so <laughs> get us to you. <laughs> Like, so I think that is the social pressure because when before we started Colegio, I think there was something going on there that um, that it was a lot of bullying going on because of the clothes. So that's yes. why they introduced the uniform. Yeah, so and, everybody is dressed the same. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. I, genu- I genuinely loved uniforms because I was like, I can't afford like new clothes every time. Me neither. Time. And I, like, you get embarrassed when you're only going to wear the same outfits every mm-hmm. time. And then and you people see your classmates. bully you for that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have to think about any mm-hmm. of this. I'll just wear my uniform. This is perfect. I was a lazy-ass teenager. I would get up like 15 minutes like before we leave the house, take a shower. I'm done. And, <laughs> and for me, that always had a uniform. Every time we get a chance to wear something else, I would be like, yes. Yeah. At least I can wear like a simple t-shirt. Yeah, like, but not the polo shirt that's super warm. <laughs> Something you know, something yeah. different, but, but yeah, yeah. To come back to what you said, though, it, about um, it does have to do with colonialism because when you go back to the origins of it, of colorism, it has to do, of course, with when the, the colonialists just brought um African people to the islands to America. Of course, they were they were slaves, so they weren't equal to the white man, and um, when the populations began to merge, you also saw that in the sense of the lighter you were, the lighter skinned you were, the more privileged, literally like uh, even within the government, the more privileges you had above dark skinned slaves. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that is where partly where it comes from and why a lot of people seem to, can't seem to understand that why you a lot of people benefit from having lighter skin tone or yeah. just basically the proximity to whiteness yeah, is yeah. what you benefit from coming from that. Yeah, I did know about the lighter skinned uh, enslaved people that get to work inside the house and if you're darker mm-hmm. skinned you have to work outside. But I didn't know that they literally also had a different status uh, yeah. in the government. They just have more rights in general and Yeah, they like, were allowed to do more. They were yeah, mm-hmm. like for example, if a slave owner decided to or make a baby with a slave, mm-hmm. for example, I don't like to use those words. No, but because enslaved was, people with was, a slave person, yeah, then a rape a slave. Yeah, yeah, rape and slave person. If, if they rape an enslaved person, yeah, um, then obviously that kid, it's gonna get more privilege because yeah. the slave owner is gonna. Pay everything for it. Yeah, because it's, it's their DNA. It's their. Yeah. Yeah. However, and not every in all the cases. Not all the cases. Not but all the cases, but yeah, most of them. Mm-hmm. As that is where it comes from. It's that whole. Even though you are technically still enslaved, you still benefit yeah. in different ways that your darker skinned counterparts don't. Yeah. And we still see that, and to this day, mm-hmm. in our society, and the different ways, um, darker skinned people do not benefit as opposed to lighter skinned people uh-huh. um, but moving on to the next question um, have you had any experiences with colorism that had a significant impact on your life that has changed your life or like uh, changed your views on certain things and maybe or how you saw yourself maybe yeah you know, for example most of the time yeah not anymore but I always think that people would like like for example in the dating scene Like, I always think that someone with curly hair would get someone easier than me, for example. Yeah. So because I'm less attractive and men are more attractive, for example, men. Mm-hmm. Or more, if I'm looking for a man, then. Mm-hmm. Men are more attracted to someone with a lighter skin, especially dark dark skin men. Mm-hmm. Someone with a lighter skin, curlier hair, apparently they look prettier. Not all mm-hmm. times accurate, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it does affect the way you see yourself too, mm-hmm. in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, aspect. for sure, yeah. But I guess you can say that with many things, like also being um, like a bit skinnier or, you mm-hmm. know, like for me, my attitude is like, you know, um, I'm gonna show them that I'm the shit exactly because <laughs> I am black. Back at home, I've got a lot of backlash for my hair, be it to bruja, pusha, whatever. But then here, it's often seen as something very exotic. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you have all that so muy hard yeah. and your hair is so nice. So can I touch it? No can bitch. I touch yeah. it? No um, bitch, no. What do you do in your hair? Like, um, I just let it grow. <laughs> so in that case, I do, I've experienced it in a way that after my hair has been uh, like an, a positive thing mm-hmm. uh, that people often approach me for. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's nice that you experienced that. Because there are a lot of people who experience the exact opposite that um, maybe because their hair is curly but maybe they aren't as confident with their hair then it oh that also comes across mm-hmm. um i can't say personally that um my skin tone has or colorism has ever affected me in any big way it was also always very low grade mm-hmm. um self-reflective maybe this had to do with it maybe it didn't but when it comes to hair um when i wear my hair confidently then I get more compliments, but when I don't wear my hair confidently, nobody says anything. But uh, you can sort of tell as well that nobody is impressed or intrigued or interested at all. So it it has to do with that as well, like how you wear it. How did your attitude about skin tone develop throughout your life, particularly in your childhood? In childhood, I was always very difficult for me because we come from a pretty mixed family, but my mom and my dad were both the darkest of their family. Um, So they're mixed, and we are pretty much a mix between the two. Um, So we're multi-generation mixed, but then in our family, we had some cousins that were lighter some cousins that were darker so it didn't really um come up that much in my family but when we were at school again with a lot of kids that were very mixed as well but then there was um one incident at school where well i call it an incident now but before it was more like a okay that's a weird thing to say that somebody told me oh but you're not really black And I was looking around in class and I was like, there's only one person blacker than me in this class. So I think, yeah, I do consider myself black. And she kept insisting. She was like, you're not black, black. You're more like tanned. And I was like, where, what are you trying to say with this? I don't understand. Is this a compliment? And it's ever since she would say something like that. And she was a very extra person, I would say. And um, she was also a closer friend so whenever we hang out with someone she would make it a point to be like do you consider Ila to be black what? and I'm like oh my god I can't, I can't believe that this is happening and they're like yeah I mean kind of so ever since one person started making it a big deal then I was like what is happening but um, when peop- other people don't make it a big deal then it doesn't really affect me as much either yeah, but now that you're saying that, indeed, like, I didn't have, not in childhood, but right now, when I was work, I was working with Lush, and then there was this, this mom and this daughter, they both had locks, I don't know, they, they seems mixed, but, yeah, anyway, the mom was like, are you mixed, no, where are you from, I was like, yourself, are you mixed, because you're pretty light, I was like, no, I'm not mixed, my mom and my dad both are black, mm-hmm. no, but you, your mom, Maybe your mom or dad should be some like kind of, some kind, or you should be mixed. I was like, no, I'm not mixed. Like, why you keep on insisting that I should be mixed to look like this? I'm not fucking mixed. Like, wow. I'm black. But even I have it also with friends. Like, friends always tell me, yeah, you're super light. Like, I'm like, yeah, I know. But the thing is, I don't feel as light as maybe I look. Like, I don't look at myself as light skin at all mm-hmm. yeah that like you can also different. say that i feel blacker than i am uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah so i've experienced it in a way that when i go back at home i like getting my like dark like purple yeah. i call my skin purple <laughs> purple and how i've experienced this is one stuff here that um many white people uh, white friends um, are afraid of telling me that I look tanned. 
So they're look at me in a very obvious way, trying to tell me, you know, you look tanned, but they're afraid of calling me to to say that I'm black. So I'm like, what you want to say is that I look blacker than normal. Yes, Yes, I do. (laughs) And I enjoy that. (laughs) So it's like a sight of relief, but it's the, the, the... it's the culture of the negative culture around the word word black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're afraid to yes even point it out. Point it out. And even then, if they don't mean it that way, they yeah. don't want to offend you because they are aware there's a negative um, yeah. relation to that yeah. word. I'm like, <laughs> I'm black. Yeah, yeah but it, it's it's it, there is a difference also. Like, I would not like people to call me Zwart. Mm-hmm. But call me black. Mm-hmm. Call me black, no. and I also use the <laughs> shit. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Also use the like. I also use like this this hashtag on Instagram. Also, Hopi Preto. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I really love that word Preto and the word black. But Zwart, don't even mm. call me that because I I it doesn't have that good connotation yeah, that. That, that it has so that like cool. it has that like colonizer tone to yeah, it yeah it has a colonizer tone and I don't, I, don't, I, I don't like that yeah <laughs> I do feel like now that you I never thought of it that way but like I, I, I totally can relate to that yeah right <laughs> because when um, people when Dutch people try to describe me they would be like yeah getint weer donker bruin and I'm like why why is that the first thing that you choose to use to, to describe, describe me? me? You could say the person with curly hair, or you could just yes. say Nagila, the person who works on this floor, or just like anything. And they're really, you know, struggling, trying different words. But luckily, nobody ever says Zwart. But I think if anybody were to even try to say Zwart, I'd be like, wait, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what did you say? And if someone's like, yeah, that black girl, I'm like, oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> um, how has your attitude about skin tone manifested in your words and actions or the absence of your words and actions? Wow. What a segue. Can you repeat it? How has your attitude about skin tone manifested in your words and actions or the absence of your words and actions? So, <laughs> let me explain that. It's basically like, combo attitude about your skin tone. How, it, what do you, like, do you notice you speak on it in certain ways about mm-hmm. yourself or other people's skin tone, like darker skin tone versus light? Of, um, in the absence of your words, you used in what you don't mention or what you don't speak on, like what, you know? I have grown, like, um, I've always been proud of my skin color. I think I've said that a few times already, but I'm more vocal about it. And especially now that there's more understanding and ways on explaining of why something is wrong and why something is correct or not. Um, so I'm more vocal about it, but also more respectful of other people because I do not know everything. I do not, not everybody can be approached in the same way. Mm-hmm. So, um, being so vocal and proud of being black myself I also try to be uh, very respective towards other people um, that may, might be lighter than I or darker than I am because you know it's all about respect regarding, regarding that but I demand uh, um, for the example the example that they were afraid of telling me that I look blacker than or usually like I demand that because right, see my color see it for what yeah. it is let's let's not make it like uh, like lighter than what it is it yeah, is black just, it is black yeah you know it. you cannot see me in the dark you cannot see me in the dark let's just you know <laughs> oh i love making those jokes so see, like, yeah, when, yes, when yes. i literally don't show up on pictures yeah. and mm-hmm. they they show it to the rest like uh do you guys like the picture it's like i'm black as fuck you can't even see me <laughs> Yeah, but everybody else becomes super uncomfortable. It's like, guys, it's it's a joke, and I made it, so it's okay. But if you make a joke about yourself, it's okay. okay? Yeah, yeah. But if someone else made a joke, like for example, if someone is insecure about their color, and someone else made that joke, mm, that's not. It cool. would, yeah, it would come over like. You always have to be as careful as the most mm-hmm. careful person in the room. And of course, if I'm sitting with you guys, then I'm also more comfortable just. Mm-hmm. Um, making jokes about myself as well. I don't think I would make jokes about any of your skin tones. Um, that's 
something I would do with my sister, maybe. Um, <laughs> but if I'm in a room full of strangers, then I don't make any jokes at all. No. And even if all of the strangers are black or the exact same uh, color as I am, I wouldn't make those jokes because I don't know how sensitive some people feel mm-hmm. about it or not. Yeah. Do you guys make it like a necessary thing to call out certain anti-blackness or anti like are very colorist statements that come across especially on a rule because it, mm-hmm. it, just the thinking about it the one of the first things that comes to mind often is um the saying daya rasa yeah um <sighs> and that saying it boils my blood every time i hear it and um in the past i definitely didn't speak up enough about it but now i do find myself as soon as people use those type of terms or anything relating to that you call them out immediately, but do you guys feel like that's something that is happening enough or should happen more, or do you guys do anything with that? Yeah, obviously, like, for example, I, I've heard of that also a lot in Curacao, but they don't use, like, the black is the Daya Rasa, but it's the opposite, like, marry someone Pabudrecha familia, so you can fix the family. So, everyone that's darker than white, like there is no if not even colorism there. Like everyone that's darker than white will die in Rasa. So that's something and yeah, I will, I will say something about it. But I, I've never encountered anybody that told me that I think someone told them that or if they just I've, uh, do that in practice, no. Never. I think especially like because there's definitely a huge uh, there is differences in how you know, these things happen on Aruba and how they happen on Curaçao because of the populations that are very much different. Aruba is very much more white. Right? And very Latino. Yeah. Oh, and oh. Um, because of that, we, we do experience colorism in those very extreme forms mm-hmm. way more. Yeah. And those and they, are the type of things you can make constantly. Yeah, distinctions I, like, well. I know exactly. Like, I remember growing up, there was something... Um, that was constantly said. Um, don't bring, don't bring a black guy home. Don't yeah, bring don't bring a black guy home. And uh, my sisters all had black boyfriends. Um, nice. so um, you know they were always welcome, but they were like in their mind they were dañando erasa, mm. and they would always say like, look for a white man or a white lady that way your child mm-hmm. comes with much better hair than you did yourself. Oh, like oh, that's yeah. not true, but okay. <laughs> Um, I struggled with that a lot because I do, uh, I have a taste for white men. So uh, for me, it was like a bit like, okay, am I doing it because of the pressure of derecha raza? Or am I doing it because I decided myself that that it's something that I like, that I find attractive? attractive. Um, so yeah, I I grew up in that in that whole thing. Even when I I I got um my my, my husband when mm. I mean all my ex boyfriends, some of them were black, um but they never got to meet my parents. Okay. But that's a funny thing because when I I was thinking back preparing for today, and I was comparing my ex boyfriends and I had white and black, and. Actually, the black men were more successful than <laughs> the white men that I dated. So it was really funny to see the contrast there. That actually, the dark, the dark, the dark men that I dated actually had more, um, like a, a well thought future in comparison to the white guys that I dated before my, uh, my husband. And so it was really, I'm like, damn, you know, like they keep pressuring you on dating a, a, a wider, a lighter skinned person than what you are yourself, not based on your opportunities for a job, not based on your opportunities for a better life, you know, for like stability. They just do it for your looks. Yeah. For the babies, actually. For the babies. For oh, the looks, God. to look more refined, to look more white, to mo- look more European, white. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that Do fetish you? is fucking wild. I, ne- I, never, I never had that. I've never had that in a family. Because oh, we, we, are, we are mixed. We are freaking mixed. Like, my, my grandfather is way lighter than my dad. My uh-huh. dad is super dark. My grandma is lighter than my dad, which is huh. so weird. How did he... My dad is the darkest in his... Um, siblings also. Oh, nice. Same. Well, that's, a, that's a successful, I guess, like thing in that sense to not yeah. have those things be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never and never 
Nobody had so, never said an- anything to anybody about just mm. married someone or get mm. a lighter mm-hmm. skinned person. But at the same time, sometimes, <laughs> that's me, sometimes if someone comes with a white person, I'm like, oh, really, you're black. <laughs> like in the family, like, really, you're black. Can you please just find someone your own color? <laughs> but that's that's me, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's also like another... Yeah, that's the opposite. That's the opposite of that, yeah. That's true. My experience was also very similar in that we, it wasn't a big deal. And I've also never been told by my parents um, to bring home this type of person or this type of person when it came to skin color. They were, or one of them was a bit more elitist in the sense of like, don't bring home somebody with a lower level of education. So... I guess do with that what you will, but um, it was never about race. But when we went to my grandma to visit, she was incredibly racist. She She's brown, but not black. And like I said, my whole family is like brown, you could say. Um, but my grandma was a bit lighter skinned and my mom was blacker. So when she brought home a black even blacker guy than she was. My grandma only called him Mahoso, which is ugly. And um, that was his nickname for the rest of their lives. They just, he was Mahoso. And um, we... Nickname? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, Mahoso, how's, how are you doing? Or, you know, and it was like, literally because he was black, he was ugly. Or I don't know if she considered him ugly despite his blackness. But she was incredibly racist, so I would guess that it had to do with his uh, his skin color. So we did have it here and there, but I think because it was meant as a joke, or she said it as a joke, we didn't really realize how uncool it was. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely sucks to be expected to bring back somebody who's lighter than you are or the rest of the family is to fix the family. Oh, by the way, going back, like, there is this also TV show, this is something different, but... And Curacao, and every time, like, they're, they they have diff- different segment, and every time they use, like, examples, for example, for... um, They have a segment, um, beauty, and blah, 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 no matter. Mm-hmm. And they always choose white people to show looks, hair... Mm-hmm. hairstyles like why are you putting those people while in Curacao there is so much black people with curly hair huh. or not curly hair also textured hair and you're giving these example like what am I going to do with this <laughs> what am I going to do with that yeah exactly but I cannot do shit with that yeah but it's also what it's often shown you see but like how many black women wear there like in a telenovela or in a movie none none so you knew already like as a black woman and you see it so many telenovelas so many women so indirectly you're telling a black girl like you're not beautiful enough to make it in front of the camera yeah. mm-hmm. and that comes with a lack of diversity that's that's mm-hmm. what leads to 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 women or and even men i mean we're talking uh, just about women right now mm-hmm. but it's uh, like you, that's what you lead to when you leave those people you don't represent them and it i, I hate it when the example that you gave that they use like the widest uh, person of Curacao uh, that they can find to showcase something that they're an evil person from Curacao yeah not even that oh, no. and it's often it's like you see it also on Netflix yeah we have a diverse cast yes. and you see like everybody's light skin everybody's light skin no light one skin has texture hair yeah. and the only one with like curly hair or like you know it's like oh they're very dense you know yeah. that you, you you barely see the curls so um yeah. yeah, that plays a huge part in that. Yeah. I think especially that representation in media plays a huge part in colorism, what we do mm-hmm. to be uh, acceptable. And it's like you said, a lot of times, oh, yeah, we have a diverse cast. And, yeah, we have one black person. And that one black person just is a very light-skinned like girl. It's like, listen, this is the same one we mean when we say we need representation, yeah. you know? And I think that's one of the things because um, that was a topic that came out and recently with the passing of Chadwick Boseman and then the whole that whole revival of what Black Panther as a movie itself meant. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. how important that was because it wasn't only about him as Black Panther, of course, that that was huge, but also seeing all these beautiful, like dark skinned, powerful women around them who weren't just tokens, who weren't just like, um, mm-hmm. you know, always playing the villains or always playing the, the, the negative roles, but like these powerful, badass women mm-hmm. and seeing yourself in that light does so much but we do not have that enough in the media when it mm-hmm. comes to darker skinned for darker skinned women and i think that's also something that um i you uh, touched upon which is women black women are very underrepresented because if you see a black guy in a movie it could easily be a dark skinned black guy um you sometimes have light skinned black guys but with women it's always light skinned black women and, and if it's a dark-skinned black women it's usually the mean cousin or again mm-hmm. like you said uh, the, the bad stereotype or for example even if it is even if it is a dark-skinned woman um they for example it's not fully that whole package they mm-hmm. or have extensions weave yeah uh-huh. the hair are straightened they, they cannot, never they cannot be fully themselves yeah they like, try to compensate somehow. yeah exactly like mm-hmm. i wish for example to see at least one person with locks mm-hmm. like a dark-skinned woman with locks for example that would be beautiful and, and, and somehow it's more lenient towards guys it's more appropriate when uh, black men have that on tv but for some reason it's it's not okay for women even yeah. though there is one woman in, in the politics in curacao that has locks and nice. she's dark skin also yeah awesome yeah so it's really cool and she's a doctor so yeah. she has it all boom 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 <laughs> all the yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. possible so that's that's really nice that sometimes you see her at least on TV you know what the, the agent as well like company thinks okay we're being diverse because we've casted one black person but when you look back and what like what is what is the role of that person is the movie is a very um sassy it's a very sassy um like it's a very bitchy like uh 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 I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. like i'm not always yeah so that's often like that's those are often the, the like um the roles that they play and then i'm like I always feel troubled. I'm happy to see uh, a, a black sister in the movies and being casted and for her getting, mm-hmm. her getting the job. However, I feel very offended because not mm-hmm. every woman is that way and it's such a stereotypical role. People also start treating you like that. Like, for mm-hmm. example, when you get that in the movies, like, people sometimes call me sister and this. I hate that word. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, but I hate people calling me sister. Like, don't do that, sis. No, I, I, I just yeah. don't like it. And people start treating you like you're the sassy person, also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not sassy at all. <laughs> yes. I'm not sassy. Then, say, I, I can benefit. be sassy sometimes. But <laughs> I've benefited from that as well, often. Um, I'm often perceived as a bitch, which <laughs> it's sad because I'm a very nice person. But it's also, in a way, I've benefited from that because I often, when somebody does something that I don't like, I don't need to open my mouth. I just look at them and they look at me like, okay, she looks like a bitch, so I'm going to fix it. So I benefit from them because I'm aware. Yeah, Yeah, you benefit sometimes, but other times it's, I I feel like, don't treat me like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not assume. It's It's not assume. Yeah, it's not cool, but you benefit indeed. Yes. We benefit sometimes out of yeah. it. Making the, making the best out of a very shitty yes. situation, right? But like, for example, I've experienced it also on the workplace that um, I'm a very active person. I can be a very active person. I'm a very loud person as well, but I'm also a very... I have my quiet moments. Mm-hmm. And often when I was quiet, that was perceived as me being angry. As oh, me being... Resting bitch face. Resting bitch face. Um, being short uh, to people. Yeah, court off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I definitely had that problem too because people would give me tips of like maybe how to phrase an email differently. It was one colleague specifically who would keep giving me tips and she would say, um, I know you didn't mean it that way, but when you send this word, try to use it in this way and i was like 
oh, interesting. I didn't mean it in that way at all. So I approached the person that I emailed and I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for it to come across that way. And they're like, huh, what, what do you mean? It was, it was normal. I didn't think anything. I was like, okay, so it's this one colleague who's projecting on me that I have to Mm -hmm. be extra nice and I have to be extra pleasant and docile i guess not to be considered sassy or yeah, mean sassy or black, like, uh, oh that's there never 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 because I, I i hate sending mail and my meals <laughs> my meals are always super informal like if you send me if i ever send you a meal before after that my meal will start with hi da 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 and I will finish best Nash Caldera. That's it. <laughs> nice. Short and sweet. No, to yeah. the point. Yeah, to yeah. the point. That's I it. like short yeah, emails as well because I don't, I don't like looking for what they need in, yeah. in all of those nice uh, cushions that they put around. And the I just need them. Just yeah. at least if you're going to do that, highlight the sentence that's important. That makes it easier too. I hate being formal. I hate being professional. I hate all of that. Like, <laughs> just let me be me. And that's <laughs> what I always tell people. Oh, yeah. I rebel you know that, that, man. You know what you going back to what you said. Um, I know you didn't mean it that way. So next time, try to. I'm like, if you know I didn't mean it that way, then why are you correcting me? Because you know I didn't mean it that way. You know how I am, and it's something that it's often. um, It's a very thing that when you work here in an office here, Mm -hmm. when you have an office job here in the Netherlands, it's something that you struggle with every day it's something that i had to struggle every day i remember having meetings every time having to explain myself how i was not being sassy how i was not being temperamental mm-hmm. um simply calling someone out and being a professional about it yeah. like you know because yeah because if a white man were to say or do yeah. the exact same thing that we say or do Perfect. You know, they're just doing their job. They're actually very uh-huh. nice. But if we do it, then suddenly it's like, mm, you have a little bit of an attitude. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we should just talk about it and just actually not only talk about it, just start putting it in practice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, talking about it, make it easier to start putting it in practice for yeah. sure. That's yeah. the first step for sure. Yeah, Because acknowledging your own privilege as well. Uh, for example, if you're lighter skin or if you have a looser curl texture all of that stuff, acknowledging that also opens the discussion to, okay, so in my case, this is something that I do benefit from, or maybe this is something that other people have made me feel like doesn't benefit me. And if people acknowledge or realize how other people benefit from certain things, for example, from being a man or from being white or from being straight, or the the list just goes on of everything that you can benefit from. Mm -hmm. But if we start pointing those out and acknowledging, then you can also start to be like, okay, so me from this privileged position can do this and this and this to sort of level out the playing field. And if you can manage to use your privilege to level out the playing field, that's where, where the conversation really starts. But that's like that's all the questions we do need to be asking ourselves, and, and what, again, that's another f- system of uh, benef- how you benefit from the way you look. The the more you lean towards the beauty standard, the more you're gonna gain mm-hmm. from it. And I think that's the whole point as well is to step away from all of that to make sure we all benefit in our own ways and mm-hmm. are basically are on the same playing field that's the whole, yeah, whole point and that's the goal at the end of the day the only level the playing field and make sure everyone gets what everyone should get from the system all right so that was such a good conversation that apparently we forgot to finish it yeah or to end it in any proper way but uh bloop, 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 a little bit of magic this is what the outro is for yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna round it off yeah. here we're um, gonna get better at like rounding out our conversations i guess with guests it's just it's not possible apparently unless you guys wanted to listen to us babble in papiamento but yeah we'll just leave that for uh for a designated papiamento episode yes um, but this spot is always reserved for an artist and we highlight artists and it just so happens that we have two artists today and you've been listening to them the entire time. Yeah, and we just wanted to give a special shout out because they are our first official guests on our podcast and I'm just so excited because yeah, 
and want more guests and And i'm so happy that they're the first ones yes so yeah um as they have already introduced themselves at the beginning of the episode we will just keep it short but you can find nash who is a visual and performance artist on instagram we will link all of their uh links down below (laughs) down below (laughs) am i on youtube but uh, (laughs) we will make sure that it's accessible for you to find it and you have Melo as well, Melody, who is a graphic artist and the brand owner of Melo Lelo. And I think we both like we both have her paintings hanging yeah. in our <laughs> on our walls. And because our, they're awesome. Yeah. So go don't um, go check her out on Instagram, Melo Lelo. Go check out her awesome brand and Hopefully you will be inspired to purchase stuff too because it truly is really I, I love her I can't uh, praise these um, women enough so yeah it really was an honor to have them specifically as guests on this episode um, so we hope you enjoyed it we hope you will tune in the next time for our other episode and yeah if you have any feedback if you have any questions if you want to share your experience as well don't uh, don't hesitate to hit us up yeah um we love receiving your messages and your voice notes it's really cool and we love the conversations that we end up having as a result of this yeah so yeah see you next time love you bye